You're listening to West of Middle East, a podcast about changemakers from the Middle East diaspora living in the West. I'm your host, Shuka Kalantari. In each episode, we hear from Middle Eastern immigrants and first-generation Americans who make it their careers to create positive change. West of Middle East is created by the Neda Nobari Foundation, an organization supporting dynamic projects in pursuit of social justice. We change the narrative about what the Middle Eastern diaspora contributes to the West. We go beyond stereotypes to create a cultural bridge. In season one of West of Middle East, we begin to build this bridge in California. In this episode, we hear about an Iranian immigrant who lost her heart in the Amazon rainforest when she realized community goes beyond diaspora. We start in the redwood forest. The leaves you're seeing are from sycamore trees that are deciduous, means they lose all their leaves every year. Atosa Sultani and I are in San Geronimo, about an hour north of San Francisco. You know, they're um, beautiful. This coast was once covered with them, and you still have remnants, maybe less than 3 or 4% of the ancient redwood forest left. Atisa is here visiting from Los Angeles to celebrate the anniversary of a nonprofit she founded over two decades ago called Amazon Watch. It's an internationally recognized organization that partners with indigenous leaders to protect the world's largest and most important rainforest, the Amazon. We've stopped dozens of really, really terrible projects. We've helped indigenous peoples win legal title to millions and millions of acres of their rainforest homelands. Atiza's group is at the forefront of a big international human rights legal battle to hold Chevron accountable for spilling billions of gallons of toxic wastewater into Ecuador's rivers and streams. The case is unprecedented. It's the first time a U.S. company faces a judgment in a foreign court over environmental crimes. Atos's group has also stopped governments from taking natural resources from the Amazon. So in August of 2016, the government of Brazil canceled the plans for the Tapajos dams. And that means that the last undammed major tributary of the Amazon is going to be free, flowing, and not dammed. Atosa believes indigenous people are the stewards of the earth. So she's their megaphone. Together, they have protests. They use lawsuits and bullhorns. They do whatever it takes. Atisa learned about the spirit of civil disobedience in her high school in Tehran, Iran. It was 1978, a few months before the Iranian revolution. Growing up during the revolution in Iran, watching the revolution just erupt in the way that it did, um, it just gave me hope that people power in the right moment can make all the difference. So part of my sort of theory of change about how I've done done this work was influenced by the revolution, knowing that, you know, people have power when they organize. People were organizing against the country's king, the Shah. There were protests at Atus's school every day. She was 13 years old. It would be like mayhem every week running through the protests, trying to find our way back to our families or somewhere where we could be picked up. Were you ever tear-gassed? Yeah, I was tear-gassed at least three times in the schoolyards when, um, you know, the older students, maybe the 17, 18-year-olds, would start protesting, and then 
the military would literally park its military vehicles at the entrance of the school doors and open the gates and tear gas the students in the schoolyard. And then the school would close down and the kids, sometimes we would be still in the stairwell or just trying to get out of our classrooms and we would be tear gassed while still in the school. Atusa's parents sent her to the U.S. to live with her uncle, away from the tear gas. But the thing is, if you're an activist here in the West, sometimes there's some tear gas too. I was tear gassed in Seattle when we were at the protests against the World Trade Organization. And uh, that felt like a war zone. We were there in the streets and we were being tear gassed both by ground crews and helicopters. Um, there was 50, 60,000 people in the streets of Seattle shutting down the trade negotiations, including labor unions and teachers and grandmothers and the raging grannies and the indigenous people and musicians. And um, we were tear gassed. If, and in fact, the U.S. you know, uh, Army and National Guard moved in and suspended the Bill of Rights. Atosa and the indigenous people she works with have been in the middle of a lot of tear gas throughout the years. But Atosa keeps fighting because she loves the Amazon rainforest. It's the most biodiverse place on Earth, home to 1,300 different species of birds alone. One of my favorite times of, uh, in the forest is when it's in the evening when the cacophony of the birds and the insects and the frogs all start to, you know, perform. It's this huge orchestra. In fact, some of the people I've taken to the Amazon have to wear earplugs at night because they just say, I can't sleep. An important orchestra. The Amazon produces tons of oxygen and absorbs carbon dioxide and greenhouse gases. It also cools the entire planet by one to two degrees Celsius. To put things in perspective, if the Earth's temperature did go up two degrees Celsius, plant and animal habitats would be destroyed and replaced by deserts. We'd have a lot less food crops and a lot more floods and droughts. The rain machine of the planet, which is the Amazon, does more for the planet by creating rain that rains on agricultural fields from Iowa to Argentina than it would chop down and sold as trees or timber or mines. The function that the forest provides is literally the heart of the planet. So it's like saying if you're a human body, it's like let's say your brain decided that it should mine your liver for some cash. You wouldn't live if you mined your liver. But we are mining our liver. In the past 40 years, almost one-fourth of the Amazon has been destroyed. Studies show at this rate, the entire rainforest will be gone by the end of the century. Half of it will be gone by 2020. If there was to be a human war effort to restore our balance with nature, this would be the moment. When Natasa first moved to the U.S., she had never heard of the Amazon rainforest. And her classmates had never heard of Iran. When I first started in Akron, Ohio, high school uh, there, 
no one even really knew where Iran was. They were like, Iran, where is that? And I'm like, have you heard of a Persian rug or a Persian cat? Oh, yeah, okay, that's where it is. Okay, I understand. But within a few months, the hostage crisis, everybody knew where Iran was, and it wasn't a good place to be from. The Iranian hostage crisis was when 66 Americans were held captive at the U.S. Embassy in Iran in 1979. They were protesting America's role in the 1953 coup d'etat, overthrowing Iran's first democratically elected prime minister and replacing him with the Shah. Atosa had just moved to the States a year earlier. She was the only immigrant in a small high school outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Her dark skin, wavy black hair, and thick Persian accent got her bullied a lot. They would throw notes in my locker that basically say, kill them damn Iranians or, you know, take her hostage. On her 16th birthday? Some boys crashed her party. It got pretty ugly. The reality is that I was an immigrant during the hostage crisis, during a really unpopular time for Iran, Iranian people. My identity as an Iranian was not popular. It was, it was dangerous. It was potentially harmful to me and my family. But rather than dwell on it, I feel like rather than say, well, this is terrible and this is a block to my my own personal flourishing and development and this is, you know, the American people are bad because of it or people are wrong and bad. Instead of getting into that, I just looked for something bigger. Like, what's the bigger meaning here? And the bigger meaning is that, that you know, we are one race. After all, we're all one race. We really are only, there's only one homo sapien. We're 99.999 percent genetically the same. The bullying stopped when Atosa went to college. She made friends. She studied. Then one day, a guy on campus handed her a flyer that changed her life forever. It was about Gaia, the idea that the Earth is alive. Gaia theory says the Earth is part of one self-regulating organism, and us humans are a part of that organism. Earth is a living system. As a whole, it is a living, breathing planet. So to me, that just like almost a light bulb went off. Like, wow, the Earth is a living system. Like the Earth is alive. And that was, to me, a big transitional moment where I was like, oh my goodness. So it doesn't matter if you're from Iran or Kuwait or France. You know, you're part of a living whole. And that, to me, became a much more interesting and truthful perspective to hold. That same year of college, her freshman year, Atosa learned about the Amazon rainforest, that we need it to survive as a species. Decades later, it's Atosa's life mission to save the Amazon. It just made me really realize that this is what is important in the world. My work on this planet is going to be about restoration. My work is going to be about protection of life and the well-being of future generations. That's going to actually be my career. Atosa Soltoni says looking beyond homelands and diasporas led her to a borderless community with tribal leaders in the Amazon rainforest. Atosa says if she can make headway in the Amazon, where natural resources are so lucrative, then that's a beacon of light for everyone who wants to see change here in the West, whether that's in our forests, in our schools, 
or even in our White House. You've been listening to West of Middle East. You can hear more episodes about changemakers from the Middle East diaspora at westofmiddleeast.org. If you like what you heard, rate us on iTunes. Our podcast is created by the Neda Nobari Foundation, a group supporting dynamic projects in pursuit of social justice. Seth Samuel is our engineer. Music is composed by Loga Ramin Torkian and Azam Ali. Our reporter and producer is me, Shuka Kalantari. If you have suggestions for what you'd like to hear on season two of West of Middle East, or want to share your thoughts about what you heard just now, email us at comments at westofmiddleeast.org. Thanks for listening.